Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Thursday, May 26th edition of the Basement Academy. Uh, we're going to take a little interlude today from our James study. Uh, have taken a little bit of time to gather some thoughts. Obviously, the uh, immensely tragic shooting uh, Tuesday afternoon, evening, whenever that was, Tuesday, um, down in, is it Uvalde, Texas? And so want to just push the pause button on James. Um, uh, I think one of our Psalms this morning, Psalm 56, captures some appropriate language as we wrestle once again with the tragic reality. Uh, record my lament, list my tears on your scroll, uh, the psalmist writes. And so another reason to pray the Psalms daily, it's just uncanny how how a daily set of readings capture contemporary events or, cap, you know, in old language, speak to contemporary events. So anyway, let, let, let's start with Psalm 56. Be merciful to me, O God, for men hotly pursue me. All day long they press their attack. My slanderers pursue me all day long. Many are attacking me in their pride. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust. I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? All day long they twist my words. They are always plotting to harm me. They conspire. They lurk. They watch my steps, eager to take my life. On no account let them escape. In your anger, O God, bring down the nations. Record my lament. List my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? Then my enemies will turn back when I call for help. By this I will know that God is for me. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? I am under vows to you, O God. I will present my thank offerings to you. For you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. Hmm. Seems appropriate that our lament over the tragic loss of life, these young lives and a teacher, would um, will be taken from us so so swiftly, and so we weep, we 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 wrestle, we're angry. Um, we're frustrated. We want it to stop. So let, let, let's think just for a few minutes. Um, and, and I offer these thoughts somewhat lightly. <clears throat> They're serious. But, but I, off, I, I hold them lightly because they, they come out of a place of, you know, distress, frustration, um, and, and my frustration cuts in a couple of different directions that I'll, I'll, I'll try to address here. So. so another school shooting, the question that bubbles up <clears throat> pretty quickly uh, amongst many is, where is God? Where is God in a thing like this when a, a troubled young man walks into an elementary school and shoots it up? Uh, it's not the first time, right? We know. Sandy Hook is been called back to mind Parkland, uh, Columbine. We were living in Colorado when what 
kind of seems like the the one. There were other shootings prior to Columbine, but that one certainly broke through to our our national conscious. Where's God in, in these things? Um, many take such events, you know, tragedy, violence, murders, uh, and the like, these catastrophes, as proof or evidence that there is no God. The, the, the thinking is that if God were good and loving and powerful, God certainly would have intervened, right? I mean, that's the, that's the, the way we think about this. God would prevent such tragedies from happening, and it, and it, it, it makes sense to us uh, on the surface, such thinking. It seems logical, very credible, for isn't God obligated in some way to you know, be kind of a good Samaritan, kind of bystander intervention, right? You know, we talk about those kinds of things. You know, the, the bystander should intervene when they see things going uh, awry. So wouldn't God be obligated to, to live by the same ethic, by the same code? Um, certainly seems that way. So what I'm getting ready to say is not going to settle well with some folks, and I recognize this, but the reasoning behind this, God should intervene, God should prevent, underneath such thinking is the assumption that we see the world and God, <laughs> we see everything accurately, perfectly. So our judgment on such a matter is impeccable. Of course God should intervene. Of course such tragedies should be prevented. And if there is no intervention, then there is no God, right? So, but underneath this thinking is an assumption that I see the world clearly. I see the world perfectly, that my judgment is accurate, okay? That I know what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's evil in this situation. And so some of you know where I'm going with this. This is the reality of sin. If we take the Genesis story, we Christians, again, I'm speaking to Greenwich. There may be others who listen to this who maybe are not of, of our faith community. And so you may vehemently disagree with me, but I have taught consistently, as you know, that when Adam and Eve took of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they took unto themselves the prerogative to be the ones to determine good and evil, and this is the this is the original sin. We usurp the role of God. So we now sit in judgment of people. We sit in judgment of God. We sit in judgment on the world. I believe my uh, evaluation and judgment of things is is faultless. So this is what sits under such reasoning that says, well, there could be no God if these things, because God certainly would have intervened. Hmm. And so we never question our own judgment on these things, right? We never question our own thinking and, and, and reasoning. Where is God in tragedy? Where was God uh, it, when tragedies happened? We have in scriptures after the birth of Jesus, Herod becomes paranoid and he goes and sees that all the uh, boys under what age of two uh, in Bethlehem are destroyed. The slaughter of the innocents is uh, how that is described. Um, where was God when Cain rose up against Abel? Uh, where was God when Saul and others were stoning Stephen, innocent Stephen, to death? Where was God when Jesus, the innocent one, was hanging on the cross? 
My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so our scriptures clearly show that tragedies happen without intervention by God. So, so I just kind of start there. Let's question our questioning of God. Okay, we need to question our judgment of God. Okay. The world's not going to do that, I recognize, because they don't live by the same faith <laughs> that we do. So we have to confront the awful reality of living east of Eden. That phrase comes from the Genesis story, Genesis chapter 3, where Adam and Eve take of the tree and, and eat. They, they rebel. Their eyes are open. We just talked about this a couple days ago. The emotional reactivity told that whole story again. But at the end of the story, God pronounces a curse upon the man, the woman, and the serpent. And then he sends them out from... Um, sends them out from the Garden of Eden to live east of Eden, and he guards the way back with a, an angel with a flaming sword. And so, so the human family now lives east of Eden, is the way we describe it. But God had said to Adam, if you eat of that fruit, you will die. Now, he did not die physically immediately, but there was a relational death, emotional death, uh, the death of the marriage in some ways, the death of the spiritual death, the relationship with God was, was impacted. Unknown misery will unfold, Adam, if you do this. Don't do it. Don't do it. And so God issues the warning. It is not heeded. Misery unfolds. And so the human family is mapped, so to speak. Human history is mapped east of Eden. So we, we talk about God's goodness, God's love, God's power in such things. You know, if God was, was all good, all loving, all powerful, then he would not allow such things to happen. What this ignores is the fact that God is also true. In God's goodness, God is also true. When God speaks, the words are true. He means what he says, and he meant what he said to Adam uh, and, and to Eve. That the, 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 the uh, crisis that would unfold in the human family, that would, and, and Adam couldn't have fully understood all that he was tumbling into. He should have just listened. <laughs> if he'd have heard the word and done the word, right? We talked about that, hearing and doing. If Adam had heard the word and done it and applied it, all this would have been prevented, right? And so the question I, I, you ask, you have to ask in this things, what, what kind of crises should God intervene in? Okay, if we want to play the, play the thinking out, when should God intervene? When the 18-year-old, before he buys the guns, after he buys the guns, but before he um, walks into the school and starts shooting it up? Well, well, certainly he should have intervened somewhere along that way. Or how about the buffalo shooting the, the week before? Guy goes into a grocery store. Of course, God should have intervened somehow there. How about a car crash? Okay. How about a car crash at the hands of a drunk driver? Okay. Are we okay with the drunk driver getting killed, but not, you know, the person we want, our loved one, right? Okay. So we're okay with that. No, no, no. God maybe should have intervened and, you know, the drunk driver shouldn't have been allowed to get so drunk. Maybe the bartender should have, you know, God should have prompted the bartender to cut the guy off, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. 
So we think we can think scenario after scenario after scenario. What about cancer? Okay, should God intervene to make that cancer go away or never show up in the first place? Well, certainly. Um, how uh, about uh, the pandemic? Okay, should the um, should the uh, whether it was a lab leak or not, <laughs> probably was, um, or uh, from a bat, you know, a wet market. God should have intervened to have allowed that virus not to have spread or like the monkey pox that is now spreading, right? God should certainly intervene to make those things stop happening. How about the Holocaust? Certainly God should have intervened and, and stayed the execution of six million of his uh, people, Israel, right? Well, he should have intervened by not letting Hitler be born, okay? Or maybe have, you know, knocking Hitler off earlier in the in the... Okay, what about Russia? And you guys, so, okay, so you get my point. At every point where you have human crisis, human tragedy, human suffering, human pain, human sorrow, the thinking is God should intervene, which basically says that we shouldn't live east of Eden. There should be no adverse consequences to something that happened that God said was going to happen. So the thinking, God should always intervene maybe except when I don't want him to intervene. God can go ahead and take Vladimir Putin out, right? So what happens when we, when we if, you, if, you're gonna, if you want to press the logic, if you want to press the thinking, oh, basically God should intervene in all the situations that we want him to, but he should certainly not intervene in the situations where that guy deserves it. We want that guy to get his just desserts, Okay. Oh, so God should do everything we want God to do and not do anything we don't want God to do. Which is basically what's the re the thinking. If you push it far enough, and most of us don't because we just, God should have done something about that shooter going into that school. That would be nice, okay? But... The world we live in, the reality that we live in, is we are in a moral universe. I recognize that secular America and much of the world does not acknowledge this. But we live in a moral universe. We intrinsically know certain things are right, certain things are wrong. We are outraged when we perceive the wrong, okay? We just aren't accurate judges of all that is right and wrong. So... <clears throat> The, 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 the trouble is that we live east of Eden, but east of Eden is a result of something that God had spoken. God had said this was going to happen. And the human family chose otherwise, right? And so, um, and so now life is just playing out as I think indicated, you know, it was foreshadowed in the warning uh, there in the garden where human history is now just playing itself out. Hmm. And so East of Eden living it prompts us to cry out, to wrestle, but it's supposed to prompt us to repent. These tragedies are to remind us that we live in a moral universe, that there is a, a great evil. And if we Again, we Christians certainly should understand this, that the great evil of our world is to prompt us to repentance from evil and to turn back to God. So 
uh, th this is just kind of a, a framework I like to offer. What to think, what to say, what to do. What to think about this shooting, what to say about it, what to do about it. <clears throat> well, what to think. We should always think Christianly. We should always think biblically. And I'm trying to do that now. Okay, there's more to this, but I've been thinking Christianly with you. I'm trying to, to run the events of the day, the events of this week, this tragedy through a filter, a filter of, uh, of truth in Scripture. Uh, what to say about this thing, okay? So uh, we think Christianly. What to say about this? Well, we should certainly be kind in all of our words. We should be compassionate to those who mourn and suffer. And these are events that will also trigger others because many have suffered traumatic events. And so we ought to be kind in all that we uh, express. But we should also say God is still good. God is still loving. God is still powerful. God is still faithful. God is still true, right? We should speak about that. We should also say that God understands human suffering because he has entered the story in the person of Jesus Christ. We have just been celebrating the death and resurrection this Easter tide. And so Jesus Christ, innocent victim, right? As it were, he had done no wrong. And so um, Christ goes to the cross and our scriptures, the same scriptures that teach us about what happened in the garden in the East of Eden, these same scriptures teach us that his death made something happen. It was redemptive. It atoned. But also it, it communicates to us in our suffering that we are not alone, but that he begins to trample down death by death. He does trample down death by death. His resurrection opens the gates to eternal life. The kingdom of God has already begun to be, to, 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 to be here and to, is growing among us. It's not yet fully consummated, and that's the tension. We live east of Eden. We've tasted of the kingdom we know redemption, we know hope, but we're not fully in the kingdom of God yet. These shootings bear witness to that, okay? Um, we should not say that legislation will fix these problems. It will not. Legislation may help, it may mitigate, there, there may be some wise le uh, legislation that we should consider uh, in our very state and, and uh, legislatures, etc. But let us not live into the folly or live by the lie that human governments, human legislatures can fix the maladies of the human condition. They cannot. They can mitigate at best, okay? Um, what should we do about all this? Well, let's not yell at people, and I, and I feel like I'm yelling a little bit because <laughs> I'm, I'm frustrated by some of what I, I hear people saying and writing. Um, it is an unspeakable tragedy, but we have a framework for understanding this tragedy that we Christians should know better, okay? So let's certainly not yell at people. Um, we, we, need to, we need to do this kind of thing. We need to sit together and wrestle and, 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 and you know, work, work things through. Um, do contact your legislator if you wish. I, I will not discourage that in any way. But, um, but recognize that in, in contacting your legislator, advocating for some kind of you know, red flag law or something that might have helped prevent this, um, that it's not gonna fix the situation, okay? Do pray, do study, do turn back and embrace Jesus, do bear witness to the truth 
Don't get sucked into just emoting around this. We, this is an occasion to bear witness to the truth that we live in a broken, sinful world. We have a good, powerful, true, loving God who has made provision for redemption. But the provision is, I am the way, the truth, and life. And so the provision is Jesus Christ. Um, and so, and so we, we, I always want to wrap up. I've gone a little long here, but want to wrap up with this notion, a question that we should always be asking ourselves. Has this nation... Has this world been given over by God? That, that phrase given over comes from Romans 1 where we read in verse 18, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Okay, so men are suppressing truth, right, because of their sin. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. So Paul's saying, hey, this is 2,000 years ago. Hey, we're without excuse. God has made himself known. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal men and birds and animals and reptiles, idolatry. So part of the suppressing of truth, turning away from God, refusing to worship God, now they make idols. There's a worshiping tendency because God gave us that. And so we apply that now, direct that towards idols. Therefore, God gave them over. I won't read the, the rest of the passage. It gets pretty explicit in places, as you know. But in verse 24 and verse 26 and in verse 28, it speaks of God giving people over. They become filled with every kind of wickedness, every evil, greed, and depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They're gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Wow. It goes on from there. And so, are we living in a given-over culture? God gave Israel over, right? I mean, you can't read the, the, the narrative of Israel's history, in the Kings and Chronicles, and it started so good, Saul, bad beginning, David come, you know, David who himself had his own problems, moral problems, but was a man after God's own heart, his son Solomon, and then after Solomon, the kingdom divides, they have civil war, and over a several hundred year period, both northern kingdom and southern kingdom are taken into exile. God gave them over. Their idolatry, their injustice, God said, have it your way. If you guys wanna turn from me, there are consequences. And so this, this language, you know, but, but the exile uh, of Israel was corrective. It was redemptive. It was restorative. It was for disciplinary reasons. As the 40 years in the wilderness, so the Babylonian exile, they are to return to God. <clears throat> so what, what has struck me, is, I, I mean, I can't prove to you that we're in a given over culture, but I, I imagine it seems that way. I've been seeing um, uh, it, it, on Facebook a number of my Presbyterian co Presbytery, uh, colleagues, ministers and the like, you know, post 
you know, expressions, prayer, and sometimes some angry words towards governmental or particular one particular party um, and, you know, murdering children and the like. I just point out the irony that these same colleagues just a few weeks earlier after the Roe v. Wade leak, right, that, that, that notion that potentially Roe v. Wade could be overturned, those same colleagues that are complaining now about the murdering of children in Texas and elsewhere are advocating in the strongest terms that Roe v. Wade stay in place. So what? That mothers and their doctors can murder children? They do not see the irony of what they're saying. Both of these are tragic. The death of these children in Texas is tragic. The death of children in the womb is tragic. And I'm struck by the irony, the tragic irony of Presbyterian colleagues who should know better and think better, who know their Bibles, are not lifting up perhaps <laughs> the murdering of millions of children over the last 50 years in the, the Roe v. Wade, you know, the, the abortion crisis. God said, have it your way. You want to murder children? Watch this. Children will be murdered. Some inside the womb, some outside the womb. Okay. And so how do we live in a given over a culture? Uh, we live humbly. <laughs> we live uh, crying out for God's mercy. We live clinging to the cross, the old rugged cross of Jesus, which is our only hope. Uh, we live by faith, not by sight, because by sight it looks like it's only east of Eden. We, we sometimes fail to see uh, the redemption. And so we lean into these scriptures um, we live humbly, we live kindly, we live justly, Micah 6.8. We live by following Jesus, by clinging to Jesus, by trusting Jesus. We, we, we live in a given over culture the way every human is always called to live. Love God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbors, yourself, and love your enemy. Love God, love neighbor, love one another. Love your enemy. Only way we're going to make it through this life is to live the way God tells us to live. If Adam and Eve had lived the way God told them to live, we wouldn't be in this mess. <laughs> so the only way to make our way through the jungle, through the wilderness, through this East of Eden reality is to live as God told us. So... Um, Apologize if I've been a little too strong and maybe have said some things that have set you on your heels. Um, but these thoughts are fresh. They're intended to be pastoral. Uh, hopefully you've watched to the end. Um, and so let, let, let's pray. Father, have mercy. Mercy on these families that weep now like so many others. Families still weeping in Buffalo and out in California and in Sandy Hook again, and in Columbine, and again, and again, and again. Lord, have mercy. Thank you for the mercy revealed in Jesus Christ. Help us, help your church to rise up and stand firm and bear faithful witness to your truth. Lord, forgive me for anything I've said that is unhelpful, untrue, unwise, that does not bring honor to your name and strength to your people. And Lord, forgive my colleagues and others who may speak in your name, 
who speak in ways that are not helpful and true and do not bring honor and glory to your name uh, and strength to your people. And so lead us uh, to live humble, kind, and just lives as we pray in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May God bless you and keep you. May God make his face to shine upon you. May God lift up his countenance and give you his peace now and forevermore. Amen.